Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Monday, June 1st, 2020. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's briefing includes comments from LA County Board of Supervisors Chair Catherine Barger, followed by an update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. In addition to the COVID-19 press briefings, soon we'll be featuring interviews and other content, so catch every episode by subscribing to the show in your podcast app and by following our department across all social media at LA Public Health. And now, Supervisor Barger. Thank you, and thank you for joining us today. I'm Supervisor Catherine Barger, Chair of the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors. I know our communities are feeling the immense weight of this weekend. Demanding justice and reform, residents made their voices heard. I was proud to see so many of the protests across Los Angeles County where they were determined, passionate, and and they expressed their commitment to equality and civil rights. In my district, I saw firsthand the vast majority of all the protests being peaceful. I applaud their commitment and resilience in seeking meaningful change. On Friday, We were celebrating the opening of more retailers and restaurants, which had been suffering from financial hardships and shuttered for weeks. As people marched and gathered, many protesters sought to protect the property of local businesses, but some outliers took the opportunity to cause destruction. It is unfortunate to see so many small businesses and restaurants vandalized and looted just as they were working to recover. Los Angeles County is looking for ways that we can serve the businesses who have been affected and need all of our support. I would like to thank Insurance Commissioner Ricardo Lara, who is proactively working with businesses that have been looted. We appreciate your commitment to helping those in need. Because of the civil unrest, I declared a state of emergency on Saturday night to combat the violence that erupted. This declaration makes it easier for us to coordinate assistance across jurisdictions across by accessing vital supplies quickly and receive reimbursement from the state and the federal governments. On Sunday, Sheriff Villanueva implemented a curfew from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. to protect against further devastation. Another curfew will be in place tonight at the same time, and Sheriff Villanueva and other public safety officials will share more about that at their press conference at 2 p.m. today. Just as I have been throughout the pandemic, I am immensely grateful to our residents for their cooperation in heeding important public safety and public health guidelines. With COVID-19 fresh in our minds, we are saying we are staying at home and we know that that can save lives. Life is precious and we must do everything we can to protect one another. While you're at home this evening, continue to use your voice for good. For example, Use the valuable tool of social media to share information about nonprofits who are doing doing work that you support. I thank the journalists and photographers across Los Angeles County who are helping to tell these stories, putting themselves in harm's way in the process. I know your commitment to illuminate the truth has been dangerous in some cases, and we are grateful for your determination to share timely, critical information with our communities. Los Angeles County will continue to support you and protect the safety when you are reporting from the field. Please, please, please stay home tonight between 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. and support our public uh, safety that are on the front line trying to protect us all. And for those that are doing peaceful protest, I ask you, we hear you, we support you, and we know that you are not part of this element that is going out and doing this looting and we appreciate you helping to protect those businesses, which I saw time and time again over the weekend. But please stay safe. And with that, I would now like to introduce Dr. Barbara Ferrer, our Director of Public Health. Thank you. Uh, Good afternoon, everyone. Um, Thank you so much, Supervisor Barger, and to the entire Board of Supervisors. Throughout the pandemic and these extraordinary times, I continue to be so grateful uh, for your leadership and uh, feel very blessed uh, that I live in this county uh, because of all the work you're doing. 
I do want to say a few words about events since the Memorial Day murder of George Floyd by police officers in Minneapolis. This is, of course, a briefing about COVID-19, but the events in Minneapolis and the response to those events are overwhelming, and I think it's important to comment on the connection between these two concerns, the death of a black man at the hands of police and the experience of COVID-19 in LA County. First, I want to express my personal heartbreak and anger and that of my colleagues at the Department of Public Health over this most recent death of a black American at the hands of police officers. There are no words for the horror that the picture we've all seen from Minneapolis brings up. I want to extend my deepest sympathy to the Floyd family and to Mr. Floyd's friends and his community. I also want to extend my condolences to the families and friends of Breonna Taylor and Tony McDade and the many other families that have borne witness to violence against their loved ones. And I do want to thank and echo Supervisor Barger, everyone who came together peacefully to stand against racism and violence. I would also like to take a minute to try to connect this brutal event to what we see in LA County dealing with COVID-19. We know that black Americans fare worse than other groups on virtually every measure of health status. And it has become all too common to blame this on individual behaviors when in fact the science is clear. The root cause of health inequities is racism and discrimination and how it limits access to the very opportunities and resources each of us need for optimal health and well-being. Science also tells us that lifetime stress associated with experiences of daily acts of discrimination and oppression play a major role. It starts at birth with higher rates of black infant mortality and shockingly higher rates of maternal mortality among black women and extends through adulthood when we see black residents in LA County experiencing earlier onset of heart disease, hypertension, and diabetes and earlier deaths. When I report each week that we have seen elevated numbers of black deaths in this county due to COVID-19, I am reporting on the consequences of these long-standing inequities. And it's not just a direct victim of violence, the person who's beaten or shot or asphyxiated, who pays the price for brutality. It is an entire community that lives with the fear that the next time it could be them or their son or daughter, neighbor or friend. It is the consequence of that fear that we are seeing when we report instance after instance of inequality in health outcomes. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar put it eloquently in an op-ed in the LA Times when he said the black community has to ask itself if being black means sheltering at home for the rest of their lives because the racism virus infecting the country is more deadly than COVID-19. The op-ed piece called for a rush to justice as the answer to events like this. As the department responsible for public health in LA County and in acknowledgement of our national association, the American Public Health Association, declaring that addressing law enforcement violence is a public health issue, this rush to justice has to be part of our prescription as well. And now I want to update you on our current status. I'm sad to report 22 additional people have died from COVID-19. 16 of these people who died are over the age of 65. And 15 people over the age of 65 who passed away had underlying health conditions. Six people who died are between the ages of 41 and 65. And all of these people had underlying health conditions. 10 of the 22 people who passed away were residents at skilled nursing facilities. This brings the total number of deaths to 2,384. During this very difficult time in our communities, there are so many people who are also experiencing the profound sorrow of losing loved ones who passed away from COVID-19. I know the entire community joins me in saying how sorry we are for your loss and that we're thinking of you and praying for you every day. For the 2,200 people who have passed away where race and ethnicity has been identified, 41% are Latinx or Latino, 28% are white, 17% are Asian, 
12% are African-American, 1% are Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander, and 1% identified with another race or ethnicity. 94% of the people who have died from COVID-19 had underlying health conditions, and this number has stayed uh, constant throughout the epidemic. So it continues to be so important for people with underlying health conditions to stay home as much as possible. And if you have even mild symptoms, we ask that you contact your provider immediately. And as a reminder, if you don't have a provider, please call 211 and they will help you find a provider. Today we're also reporting 978 new cases. This does bring the total number of people who have tested positive for COVID-19 in LA County to 55,968. The 55,968 total cases we're reporting include 1,947 total cases reported by the City of Long Beach and 928 total cases reported by the City of Pasadena. Both cities have independent health departments. We're reporting 411 confirmed cases among people experiencing homelessness. 197 people who were sheltered were appropriately isolated and their close contacts were quarantined. But I am sad to report that four additional people experiencing homelessness have passed away from COVID-19 since we last reported on May 20th. This brings the total number of deaths among people experiencing homelessness to 11. And to the family and friends who are mourning the people who have passed away, we do mourn with you and we're very sorry for your loss. 6,528 people who have tested positive for COVID-19 have been hospitalized at some point during their illness. This now is down to 12% of all positive cases. There are currently 1,357 people who have tested positive for COVID-19 and are hospitalized. 28% of the people are in the ICU and 18% of the patients are on ventilators. Every day, we've continued to see slight decreases in the number of people hospitalized for COVID-19. We've investigated a total of 521 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed or suspect case of COVID-19. Of these, 457 are currently under investigation and 64 are closed. Uh, these settings do include our nursing homes, assisted living facilities, shelters, treatment centers, supportive living, correctional facilities, workplaces, food and retail, and educational settings. The total number of confirmed cases in institutional settings is 13,259, and this includes 8,585 residents and 4,674 staff. And I'm sad to report that 1,272 people who were living in institutional settings have died from COVID-19. 89% of the people who lived in institutional settings and passed away resided in our skilled nursing facilities. And although the numbers are dropping uh, in terms of daily deaths in our nursing facilities, our hearts go out to all the people who've lost their loved ones uh, who lived at these facilities to COVID-19. Working in the nursing homes continues to be our top priority and the priority of partners so that we can make sure that these facilities are as safe as possible for the people who live there and the people who work there. We're also reporting 843 confirmed cases at some point in the jail facilities. 622 are among people who are incarcerated and 221 are among staff. And I'm sad today to report the death from COVID-19 of a person who was incarcerated in a jail facility and subsequently received care at the hospital. This is the first uh, person who's been incarcerated and has passed away uh, from who's, who was residing at some point uh, in, their, in our jail. And again, to the loved ones of the person who passed away, we offer you our deepest condolences. There are 176 cases in the state prison 127 among people who are incarcerated, and 49 among staff. And there are 749 cases in the federal prison, 735 among people who are incarcerated, and 14 among staff. The number in our juvenile facilities remains the same, 10 cases among youth and 15 among staff. 
And as always, you can find updated information on confirmed cases in these facilities, as well as our dashboard at publichealth.lacounty.gov. Today, the Los Angeles County Fire Department is reporting that 346 staff members have been tested for COVID-19, 31 staff have tested positive, and 11 are isolated at home, 27 have returned to work, and five are sick at home. We don't have the update today for the Sheriff's Department, but it will be available later on their website. And thank you so much to Sheriff Villanueva and Chief Osby for sharing this information with us. Over 611,000 COVID-19 test results for individuals have been reported to the LA County Department of Public Health, and 8% of people who have been tested were positive. There are still appointments available at the regional testing sites, although I do know that a few have closed um, because of the civil unrest, but you can go on uh, to covid19.lacounty.gov testing to find sites that are open and to make an appointment online. Um, I have two updates for you today. The first update is about COVID-19 cases among pregnant women. 228 women who are pregnant have tested positive for COVID-19, and 79% of the women who were tested and were positive were symptomatic. I am very sad to report the death of a woman from COVID-19 who was pregnant, as well as the death of the baby she was carrying. This woman did have significant underlying health conditions. And to the family and friends of the woman and the baby who passed away, our hearts break for you, and we're deeply sorry for your loss. To date, there have been 52 live births and four non-live births among women who tested positive for COVID-19. And our hearts go out to the families who are mourning the loss of their infants. 40 infants have been tested at birth and all have tested negative for COVID-19. And we welcome these little ones into the LA community with open arms. I'd also like to give you an update on the cases among healthcare workers. These numbers include all healthcare workers who work in LA County, though they may live in other jurisdictions. A total of 5,398 healthcare workers and first responders have confirmed cases of COVID-19 in LA County. This is an additional 537 new cases since the previous week. Cases have been identified among 26 different occupational settings, but the vast majority of cases continue to be among healthcare workers from skilled nursing facilities and hospitals. Skilled nursing facilities account for 43% of the cases, uh, and this is in part a reflection of increased testing at these sites. The hospitals account for an additional 26% of cases. The additional facilities reporting positive cases include outpatient facilities, home health, first responders, and mental health settings. Nurses continue to account for the majority of positive cases at 45%, though cases have been identified among a range of occupational roles, including caregivers, medical assistants, physicians, and people who work in environmental services and food services. The source of exposure is known for 60% of the healthcare workers who tested positive for COVID-19. And 79% of healthcare workers with known exposure were exposed in a healthcare facility. 6% of healthcare workers have been hospitalized at some point for COVID-19. And I'm really sad to report that 39 healthcare workers have passed away from COVID-19. This is nine additional people since our last report. 27 of the healthcare workers who passed away worked in skilled nursing or assisted living facilities. Six people worked in hospitals, one person worked in, correctional, in a correctional facility, one person worked in home health, one person worked in the laboratory, and one person who died uh, worked in an outpatient facility. For one healthcare worker who passed away, we still don't have information on their workplace setting. We mourn the healthcare workers who have passed away from COVID-19 and for the friends and family members of these heroes, we're thinking of you every day, and we're so very sorry. For all of our healthcare workers who are on the front lines of this pandemic, grateful does not begin to describe our feelings for you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We are experiencing difficult and tumultuous times across the country, and we join in the many voices that are coming together in anger, frustration, and protest. Peaceful protests are so important but I ask you all to look out for each other when coming together. While you're out with others, please wear cloth face coverings. 
As much as possible, please practice physical distancing, keeping six feet apart from everyone else. There's a lot of risk at these gatherings becoming super spreader events. That is events where a great deal of transmission of the COVID-19 virus is happening. We'll need to work together to prevent these events from resulting in many more people becoming seriously ill from COVID-19. Please take care for and protect all of the people around you. Wearing your face covering is a much needed act of kindness and respect. I wanna also mention that the businesses that were permitted to reopen last Friday are still permitted to do so as long as they're adhering to all of the directives for, employee, for protecting employees and customers and to adhering to any safety orders from elected officials and law enforcement. I wish you all a peaceful week, whether you're reopening a business or making your voice heard for social justice and calling for an end to violence against people of color. And we'll take questions now. Ladies and gentlemen on the phone, if you wish to ask a question, you may press one, then zero at this time. That's one, then zero. I'll start the line of Claudia Pichetta with KNX News Radio. Please go ahead. Hi, thank you. Um, Barbara, for you, what do you say to people who say they know the risks that are involved in going out to protest, but they feel it's a risk worth taking? And for Catherine, you acknowledge that protesters are seeking meaningful change. Do county leaders have any plans to make that happen? And how do you respond to people who see leaders taking steps, such as calling in the National Guard, saying that it makes you know people who feel like they're already under attack, like now there's a war against them? Thank you. So I'll answer the first part, and then I'll let Dr. Ferrer answer the second part. And I'm very proud to serve on a board that has been very focused on transparency as it relates to law enforcement. We have a commission in place where each uh, sector of the community is represented on that commission and are responsible for overseeing and holding um, law enforcement accountable, quite frankly. And so I believe that this county has taken a very bold step in creating a uh, task force to oversee, as well as a task force that now has subpoena power and is ensuring that cases are properly um, looked into. And then as it relates to, um, what was the second part of the question? What was it? Say it louder. Oh, the National Guard. As you'll recall, Claudia, the National Guard was called in after the fact, after things got out of control. I personally feel the National Guard um, is a tool that is necessary at this point to keep calm. Because what I tell people is um, there were peaceful demonstrations, and I know people that actually attended some of those demonstrations, and their intent was not to cause problems. You've got a small group that infiltrated and, in fact, I believe, used these peaceful, peaceful demonstrators as, an, uh, as a way to divert attention so that they could go in and do illegal activity. So I believe the National Guard, and I want to thank each and every one of the men and women that have been called to our streets to help support our first responders. But make no mistake, they're not out there to cause trouble. They're out there to ensure that the law-abiding residents can do peaceful demonstrations but also ensuring that businesses and restaurants and, and all are not being looted by criminals who, quite frankly, are not here for George Floyd. Because if you listen to George Floyd's family this morning, you heard loud and clear, it's not about violence. It's about protest and change. And in this county, we are committed to working with every single sector to ensure that happens, including law enforcement, by the way. They should be at the table as well. So with that, Dr. Ferrer. Uh, thanks, Claudia, for, for the question about sort of risk and, and risk assessment. I think uh, one of the realities of this virus is it's not just about understanding your own risk. It's really about understanding the risk to other people. And, and we've been asking everyone, you know, to, to really accept uh, that uh, we have this opportunity to take care of each other. Um, and, and that's what we're asking. So we understand that sometimes you may feel like uh, the risk is, is lower for you when you engage in a whole host of activities. And this isn't at all directed just to the people who are peacefully protesting. This is directed to all of us. You know, in, in every step that we're taking, wherever we are uh, during this pandemic, we have to be mindful not only about what risk we want to take on for ourselves, but what risk we put on to other people. 
So when I, when I ask that people wear their face coverings, it's really not because you're going to protect yourself as much as it is because you're going to protect somebody else. And I do ask that uh, as people are out and about and they're peacefully uh, exercising their First Amendment rights, this is a time to, again, show up with compassion and respect for other people, uh, wear your face covering, and keep your distance uh, whenever possible, because that will, in fact, uh, both help elevate our voices uh, striving for justice, but also not result in more and more people, unfortunately, getting very sick and maybe even dying uh, because of our actions. So, so I do ask everyone to, to please think of uh, the other person when you're, when you're doing your risk assessment. Next question. Our next question will come from the line of Jackie Forty with APCC. Your line is open. Dr. Ferrer, are you going to issue guidelines to law enforcement uh, to keep people socially distanced, maybe during police processing? We saw images of people being lined up very close together, and I would assume they're probably kept in uh, small uh, uh, processing units when they're in police stations, especially for hours at a time. Um, police also use tear gas that makes people cough. Do you have any you know, public health guidelines for law enforcement? I'm going to let you respond to that. I don't even know where to begin. Yeah. Um, thanks so much. You know, we, we, we're happy to reach out to law enforcement. I do want to note we do have just general guidance up on our website today about, you know, steps you could take to protect yourself and others uh, when you are engaging uh, in peaceful protest. Um, and we're always happy to, to talk with any sector about how to maximize the ability uh, as you're doing your – you're going about your business – uh, maximize the ability for people to be safe, for all people to be safe. So thanks for, thanks for alerting us to that. Next question. Thank you. Our next question will come from the line of Colleen Shelby with Los Angeles Times. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my question. I'm wondering if you could explain why L.A. County decided to open so much more quickly than San Francisco Bay Area, even though L.A. has a much more worst-case uh, rate and death rate. I'm just wondering if you could give a little more information on that reasoning. And, um, you know, to what you were saying earlier, Dr. Ferrer, about black communities being hit particularly hard, wondering if uh, the county is preparing at all for a possible surge in cases due to the fact that so many more people are out on the streets protesting um, and, you know, particularly those communities uh, might, be, might be greatly affected as well. So I'm going to let Dr. Ferrer answer most of that, but I just want to start out by saying when the board brought forward the request, request for a variance, it was brought forward based on the fact that the governor put out guidelines and the county was able to meet those guidelines. And uh, so the application was done in a way that was done just like every other county surrounding Los Angeles County. And there's no question that we have the largest population. So if you look around us, we were one of the last in this area to actually apply and be granted that variance. And Dr. Ferrer can go into the specifics on that. Um, but, you know, my biggest concern now is, is that in two to three weeks, what is going to happen based on the conduct of individuals over the weekend? And we don't know. Uh, and we're going to be watching very closely. So with that, Dr. Ferrer. Sure. Uh, thank you so much. And, and I think Supervisor Barger said it best. You know, the, the issue on the reopening is to do so in a manner that makes it as safe as possible for workers and for customers or visitors or residents. And, and I think that's what we've been doing. Um, and we are being very mindful of making sure that there are protections in place in all of the sectors that are reopening. And, and I applaud the board for their leadership on this and for the governor and the state uh, for making sure that we're all uh, very much aware of what the opportunities are when we reopen to do so in as safe a manner as possible. Uh, it is time for people to be able to get back to work in many of our sectors, and what we need to really be focused on right now is how to do that with as much safety as possible. In terms of the, the, um, the uh, second question, uh, which is, um, oh, uh, is, is, are we worried about a surge? Um, yeah, I'm always worried about a surge, so... <laughs> And, and I think Dr. Galley is also, I mean, these are our jobs. Our job is to worry, and our job is to be prepared. Um, and uh, we've always known that as more and more people are going to be out and about, uh, we run, run this risk of, uh, of there being a surge. Um, it'd be one thing to see a slight increase, which we would anticipate uh, from having more people out and about. 
uh, what we have to avoid is, is that huge increase that causes uh, a threat to our healthcare system. So we're going to work really hard. We monitor the data. You all can look at the data every single day on our website. We look at uh, you know, a set of, of what we think are pretty powerful indicators, metrics that we can track to see and make sure uh, that we're not uh, running into a risky situation. Uh, again, this is something we all do together. And if we do our jobs as well as we've done them in the past uh, by having everybody do their part, I think we uh, continue to make progress on our recovery journey without, in fact, uh, causing us to have a huge surge. But we do all have to do our part. It's impossible to have any one person or one set of people uh, really be able to guarantee the safety of all of us. It's just going to take every single person uh, paying a lot of attention, every single business, every single institution doing their very best so that we protect each other as we live through this pandemic. We'll take the next question. Our next question will come from the line of Dave Lopez with Channel 2 News. Please go ahead. Yes, good afternoon, uh, everyone. Uh, doctor, I, I know you've been asked this a number of times, but the, all the experts are saying that based on what we're seeing, uh, all of the protests, that it's just inevitable. There is no way that we are not going to see a spike. My question is, do you believe the same? And the second part of that is, what would the numbers have to be before you can say this is the reason why we had such a spike, and when would we see those numbers? Yeah, you know, no, thank you. I mean, obviously, you know, when I look and I see people on the beach that are really close together without face coverings or people on a boardwalk that are really close together without face coverings or people that are peacefully protesting without their face coverings, I'm going to be worried. And, and you should be worried as well. Uh, we need to keep the distance, as much distance from each other when we're out and about, and we need to wear our face coverings. Uh, and that's how we get through the pandemic. Uh, so when we see examples where that's not happening, uh, it's a cause for concern. And from my perspective, it's also a reminder to each of us uh, that we can help other people remember how to be respectful and kind to each other uh, by using their, those cloth face coverings. Um, and, and so I, I know that, um, you know, it, it would be great if we could say, you know, this is when it's going to happen. I, I will tell you in general how we behave today shows up in our numbers uh, three to four weeks from now. It'll show up in our numbers of hospitalizations and it'll show up in our numbers of people who may die. But we do have to wait a while because this is a virus that takes 14 days to incubate. Uh, and then oftentimes uh, people may have either no illness or mild illness uh, before they will show up at a hospital. And the numbers we're going to worry about the most are what's happening in our hospitals because that's where we need to make sure we don't lose our capacity to take care of everyone uh, throughout the county. Uh, we'll take the next question. Next question comes from the line of Annabelle with ABC7. Please go ahead. Hi, um, Supervisor and Dr. Ferrer. I have a few questions. One is just a, yes, a quick yes or no. Um, when, she, when you mentioned the death of the incarcerated individual, I think you said that is the first death of an incarcerated individual related to COVID-19. I just wanted to make sure I heard that right. That's correct. In the jail. In the, well, in the jail, yes, yes. In the jail, okay. Yes. Um, and then <clears throat> in terms of how you are looking at the numbers in the past couple of weeks, are you seeing a significant drop? I know about over a month ago you described COVID-19 as a leading cause of death. Are you seeing a significant drop in that daily number? <clears throat> Excuse me, and how are you interpreting the data? And... Um, Last week, uh, this is for Supervisor Barger, I think the county was determining whether or not to look at the pros and cons of helping individual cities within the county ask for a variance. Is there an update on that? So uh, I, I'll answer that and then I'll let Dr. Furr answer the rest. Um, the motion that Supervisor uh, Hahn and I brought forward was, was an either or. It was either move those cities forward that qualify for a variance or if the county qualifies, we do it countywide, and the board chose to go countywide, which I think was the right decision based on the numbers throughout the county. And so um, the variance for specific regions is no longer on the table because the county applied as a whole to apply for a variance, which we were granted on Friday. So with that, Dr. Ferrer. 
Yeah, thanks a lot for the question. Um, daily deaths uh, have been dropping. Um, I do prepare a report at the end of every week where I look at all of our metrics and I compare one week to the next week, so the last week. Uh, so I'll, I'll go ahead and do that um, at the end of the week and actually be able to give you the exact numbers uh, as I did last week. Um, but yes, we continue to see a slight drop uh, in the number of people that are dying and, and we're, we're relieved and uh, we, wanna, we want things to continue uh, along this same path where, where we are uh, witnessing a drop in our deaths. So thanks for asking that. Uh, and we have time for one more question. Okay, we'll go to the line of Elizabeth Marcelino with City News. Please go ahead. Just to clarify uh, for either of you, since the data won't show, show a surge for another three to four weeks, are you likely to adjust some of your plans for reopening and hold off on some steps in anticipation of such a surge? Or will you keep pressing forward just as you planned last week? Well, I'll let Dr. Furrer talk from a, a medical standpoint, but as far as I'm concerned, um, Friday was a time for us to allow businesses to begin to reopen. And to her point, it's still important to wear face masks when out in public, and it's to protect not only yourself, but also the people that you're coming in contact with. So our goal is to continue to do that in a thoughtful and a very meaningful way, because we've got the industry leaders that have put together plans uh, to ensure that there's safety within, especially the restaurants with social distancing. So my goal is to continue down that path, but we recognize that um, what happened this weekend, we will not see for, as Dr. Ferrer said, 14 days or three to four weeks, um, 14 days uh, for uh, the incubation period. So I'm a little concerned in the sense that um, I hope people will use caution moving forward, but I hope that we can continue down this path toward reopening. Dr. Ferrer. Yeah, thanks so much for that question. And just a reminder, as a variance county, we still uh, operate under the state's uh, health officer order. So, um, so some of the sector reopenings, we still need to wait for the state to actually uh, allow all of the counties, including the variance counties, to be able to move forward uh, with reopenings in other sectors. You know, I, I do want to go back to, to what uh, the supervisor said earlier and what I echo, which is, that uh, the most important thing as we're reopening sectors is to do that in a manner that creates as much safety as possible in the reopening uh, for both uh, the workers and for the customers or the residents or the visitors. Uh, and that will constantly be uh, our effort. Um, so, you know, what we'd like to do is be able to make sure that the protections are in place and that there's uh, clear guidance uh, for the industries as they're reopening about what the directives ask them to do and that we're here to support that. And uh, I have confidence that if we can in fact uh, move deliberately and in a fashion that actually has all of us working to create these safer environments, uh, we can continue to proceed as we've been proceeding. Um, that's really the secret here. Um, you know, at some point we have to reopen. So the, as from where I'm sitting, the name of the game is to make sure that when sectors are reopening, we're taking every single precaution we can on those reopenings to protect ourselves and workers and, uh, and residents. And, and I think, and I want to thank all the different leaders from the different sectors and our labor partners who are working really hard to actually stand behind a set of protocols that makes that possible. Um, because that is, at this point, that is the way we protect each other uh, during a recovery, uh, a recovery journey. Uh, and now we'll have our remarks in Spanish. Thank you. Buenas tardes a todos. Para actualizarlos, nos da tristeza informar que 22 personas adicionales han fallecido por causas de COVID-19. Esto eleva el número total de fallecimientos a 2,384. Para las 2,200 personas que fallecieron donde se identificó la raza etnicidad, el 41% son latinas, el 28% son blancas, el 17% por ciento son asiáticas, el 12% son afroamericanas, el 1% es de Hawái o de las islas del Pacífico y 1% se identifica con otra raza etnicidad. 94% de las personas que fallecieron por causas de COVID-19 tenían condiciones delicadas de salud. 
Hoy también estamos reportando 978 casos nuevos. Esto eleva el número total de personas que dieron resultados positivos de COVID-19 en el condado de Los Ángeles a 55,968. Estamos reportando 411 casos confirmados entre personas sin hogar. Y nos da tristeza informar que cuatro personas adicionales sin hogar han fallecido por causas de COVID-19 desde nuestro último reporte el 20 de mayo. Esto eleva el, el total de fallecimientos entre, entre personas sin hogar a 11 personas. 6,528 personas que dieron positivo fueron hospitalizadas en algún momento durante su enfermedad. Eh, cual representa el 12% de todos los casos positivos. Actualmente hay 1,357 personas que han dado resultados positivos que están hospitalizadas. El 28% de estas personas están en unidades de cuidados intensivos y el 18% de estas personas están en ventiladores y cada día estamos viendo ligeras reducciones en el número de personas hospitalizadas por COVID-19. Hemos investigado un total de 521 entornos residenciales y no residenciales con al menos un caso confirmado o de sospecha de ser COVID-19. El total de casos confirmados en entornos institucionales es de 13,259 y esto incluye a 8,585 residentes y 4,674 miembros del personal. Nos da tristeza informar que 1,272 personas que vivían en entornos institucionales eh, han fallecido por causas de COVID-19. El 89% de estas personas que fallecieron que vivían en entornos institucionales residían en centros de enfermería especializada. Estamos reportando 843 casos confirmados en algún momento en las cárceles. 600 22 entre personas encarceladas y 221 entre el personal. También nos da tristeza informar que, uh, el fallecimiento por causas de COVID-19 de una persona que fue encarcelada eh, en una cárcel y después recibió atención médica en el hospital. Esta es la primera persona uh, fallecida que ha estado encarcelada en nuestra prisión. Hay 176 casos en la prisión estatal y 749 casos en las uh, prisiones federales. Hay 25 casos en instalaciones juveniles. El Departamento de Bomberos informa que entre su personal, 346 personas han sido evaluadas para COVID-19, 31 personas han dado resultados positivos, 11 están aislados en casa. 27 han regresado al trabajo y 5 están enfermos en casa. Más de 611 mil resultados de la prueba de COVID-19 han sido reportados al Departamento de Salud Pública y el 8% de las personas evaluadas dieron, positivas, dieron pruebas positivas. 228 mujeres embarazadas dieron positivo en la prueba de COVID-19 y el 79% de las mujeres que se hicieron la prueba y fueron positivas uh, presentaron síntomas. Nos da tristeza informar el fallecimiento por COVID-19 de una mujer que estaba embarazada, así como el fallecimiento de su bebé. La mujer tenía uh, condiciones delicadas de salud. Hasta la fecha han habido 52 nacimientos y cuatro partos uh, de bebés que han fallecido entre mujeres que dieron resultados positivos por COVID-19. 40 recién nacidos han sido examinados al nacer y todos han dado resultados negativos. Un total de 5,398 profesionales de salud y personal de primeros auxilios han dado resultados positivos en el condado de Los Ángeles. Esto es 537 casos nuevos adicionales um, desde la semana pasada. 
se han identificado casos entre 26 diferentes tipos de trabajo y la gran mayoría de los casos en, entre estos profe profesionales han sido en, en personas que trabajaban en um, lugares de enfermería especializada y hospitales. Las instalaciones de enfermería especializada representan el 43% de los casos y esto es en parte un reflejo del aumento de pruebas en estas instalaciones. Los hospitales representan un 26% de los casos. 6% de profesionales de salud han sido hospitalizados en algún momento por COVID-19. Nos da tristeza también informarles que 39 profesionales de salud han fallecido de COVID-19, a nueve personas adicionales desde nuestro informe la semana pasada. Estamos viendo tiempos difíciles y en, en, a través de todo nuestro país y compartimos uh, la frustración uh, y el dolor uh, por el asesinato de George Floyd. Nos unimos a muchas voces y, que se, y queremos um, acordarnos que las protestas son sumamente importantes y tenemos que encontrar manera de protegernos. La mejor manera es de, al estar alzando nuestras voces, utilizar nuestras máscaras de tela uh, para cubrirnos la, la cara, y la nariz, la boca. Y en cuanto pueda hacerse posible mantener la distancia, el distanciamiento físico. Uh, esta es la manera que nos protegemos unos a otros mientras tomamos parte en estas acciones, acciones tan importantes. Eh, también queremos mencionar que a los negocios que se les permitió uh, abrir la semana pasada uh, pueden seguir abiertos eh, en cuanto Um, estén en, en, puedan cumplir con todos los uh, directivos del Departamento de Salud Pública. Okay. Uh, entonces, um, we'll make sure that we go on to remarks in English, excuse me, in Armenian, by Nona Aganisian. Varyor Bolorin, Shnurakalem Vera Haskich Marmineri Vokch Horortin. Yes, Uzume Mikani Hoskassel Iradar Tsutsuneri Vera Berial. Minneapolisum, Vostikanuchan, Spaneri, Kormitz, George Floyd, Spanchan, Hishataki, Oritz, Ver, Sai Iharke, Chepazruce, Covid, Tasnin, Vera Berial, Bites, Minneapolisum, Terunetso, Iradar Sutsunere, Yevdran, Patas Hanelu, Vera Bervo, Iradar Sutsunere, Jen Shoren, Yevies, Kaskatum, and Vorkarevore, Meknabanel, Icircum, Taho Kutsunere, Vorong Kaponen, Sevamut Martum Mahavostika and Chanzerkum, Yevkovit Tasne inni, Porza Los Angeles Shurjanum. Nahevaraj Uzumem Arta Haitel im Anznakan Zairuta, Yev im Koleganeri Hainrain, Arochapachan Varchitunum, Sevamut Icevercin Mahavan Kapakchitam, Vostika and Chan Spairi Zerkov. Sarsapeli Hoskerch Kam, Vorberumen Ein Patkere, Vormek Bolores Teseleng, Minneapolisitz. Yes, Uzumem Horins Havakutunas Haitnel, Floyd and Tanikin, Yev Paron, Floyd in Gernerin, Yevnera Hamaikin. Tsankanumem, Tsavakutun Haitnel, Nayev, Bronina, Taylorin, Yev Tony, Magdadin, and Taniknerin, Yevan Gernerin, Yev Basmativ, Island Taniknerin, of Kir Irens Harazat Nerin, Katman, Pernutana, Akanates and Yerel. Yes, Nayev Katsankanai, Mirope Portel, Kapel, Ice, Dajan, Iradar Tsutuna, Ein Ameni Head, Inchmenk Tesnumenk, Los Angeles, Shurjani, Covid Tasnini Head, Gorts Unenalis. Mengitenk, Vorseva Mort, America Tsnere, Aveli Vaten, Kanyus Hambere, Arochutan Vijagi, Grete, Durakanchur, Chapanishnerov. Yevshat Sovorakan, Darcel, Dameradrel, Anhatakan, Varkakzi Vera, Yerp Irakan, Gitutsuna Parze. Arochutan, Anna Havasorutunere, Yev Himnarar Pajare, Rasism Nuhatrakanutune, Yevte Inchpes, Yev Einsamana Pakum, Mutka Mezani, Zurakanchuri Hamar, Arajeste Hanarotuneri, Yev Resursneri, Optimal, Arochutan Hamar, Yev Bareketutan. Gitutun and I have Mezasume Vortsama, Stresser, Kapvata, Amenoria, Hatrakanutan, Yev Jenshman Gotaotan, Porti Head. I 
այն սկսվում է ծննդյան պահից նորածիների մահացության ավելի բարձր տեմպերով եւ կանանց մոտ մայրական մահացության ցնցումներով, ավելի բարձր մակարդակներով եւ տարածվում է միջև 50 տարիք։ Երբ մենք տեսնում ենք որ Los Angeles շրջանի սևամորթ բնակիչները ունեն սրտի հիվանդություններ, հիպերտոնիկություն, շաքարախտի ավելի վաղ սկզբում։ Երբ ես ամեն շաբաթ զեկուցում եմ COVID-19 պատճառով, մենք տեսել ենք սևամորթերի մահվան դեպքերի մեծ քանակ այդ շրջանում։ Եվ ես զեկուցում եմ այդ երկարատև անհավասարությունների հետևանքների մասին։ Սադա միայն բռնություն անմիջական զոհ չէ։ Ծեցի ընդհարկված կամ գնդակահարված կամ ասֆիքսված մարդը, ով վճարում է գինը ոստիկանության դժվարության համար։ Դա մի ամբողջ համայք է, որը ապրում է վախով, որ հաջորդ անգամ կարող է լինել նրանք կամ նրանց որդին կամ դուստրը, հարևանը կամ ընկերները։ Դա այն վախի հետևանքն է, որը մենք տեսնում ենք, երբ մենք հայտնում ենք առողջության արցունքները անհավասարության դեպքերի արկահությունը։ Քարեմ Աբդուլ Ջաբարը ասաց Los Angeles Times-ի լուրերում, երբ նա նշեց, որ սևամորթ համայքը պետք է իրենց հարց տա, թե սև լինելը նշանակում է, որ իրենց կյանքը մնացած ժամանակահատվածում ապաստանել տանը, քանի որ երկիրը վարակվող ռասիզմը վիրուսից ավելի մահացու է քան COVID-19-ը։ Տարածված տարածվածը կոչ է անում շտապել արդարադատության համար, քանի որ նման իրադարձությունների պատասխանն է։ որպես Los Angeles շրջանի հանրային առողջության առողջապահության պատասխանատու գերատեսույց, որը նույնպես պետք է լինի մեր տեղատոմսի մի մասը։ Ներկա վիճակի վերաբերյալ տեղեկությունները հետևյալն են։ Այսօր ցավով հայտնում ենք եւս 22 մահվան մասին։ Այս մարդկանցից 16-ը 65 տարեկանից բարձր են, որոնցից 15-ը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ 6 անձի տարիքը 41-ից 65-ն է, որը բոլորը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ Սա բերում է ընդհանուր մահերի թիվը 2384-ի Los Angeles շրջանում։ COVID-19-ով մահացած անձանց 94%-ը ունեն ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ Ինչը կարևորում է այն անձանց, ովքեր առողջության լուրջ խնդիրներ ունեն, մնալ տանը եւ հնարավորինը սխուսափել սերտ կապերից։ Այսօր մենք հայտնում ենք 978 նոր դեպքերի մասին։ Սա բերում է Los Angeles շրջանի դրական դեպքերի ընդհանուր թիվը 55968-ի։ Այս դեպքերը ներառում են Long Beach քաղաքում մեր գործընկերների կողմից գրանցված 1947 դեպքեր, իսկ Փասեդենա քաղաքի կողմից գրանցված 928 դեպքեր, որոնք ունեն անկախ առողջապահության բաժանմունքներ։ Մենք հայտնում ենք 411 հաստատված դեպք անոթևան ապրող մարդկանց շրջանում։ Ապաստան գտած 197 անձինք պատշաճ մեկուսացված են, իսկ սերտ կապերը կարանտինացված են։ Անոթովանը ապրող մարդկանց մեծ մասը, ովքեր դրական են COVID-19-ի համար, եղել են միության փրկարար առաքելության հյուրերը։ 6528 դեպք ինչ որ պահի հոսպիտալացվել են, որը կազմում է բոլոր դրական դեպքերի 12%-ը։ Ներկայումս հոսպիտալացվել են 1357 մարդ, որոնցից 28%-ը գտնվում են ինտենսիվ խնամքի բաժանմունքում։ Իսկ 18%-ը միացված են շնչառական օդափոխիչներին։ Ներկայումս քննություններ են կատարվում 521 ինստիտուցիոնալ բնակության հաստատություններում։ Դրանց թվում են ծերանոցներ, ապաստաններ, բուժման կենտրոններ, օժանդակվող բնակելի հաստատություններ եւ քրեակատարողական հիմնարկներ։ Ցավով ենք հայտնում, որ այս հաստատություններում COVID-19-ով մահացել են 1272 բնակիչ, որոնք կազմում են բոլոր մահերի 53%-ը։ Ինստիտուցիոնալ միջավայրում հաստատված ընդհանուր դեպքերը 13259 են ներառյալ անձնակազմը եւ բնակիչները։ Այս դեպքերից բնակիչները կազմում են 8585, իսկ անձնակազմը կազմում են 4674 Մենք զեկուցում ենք, որ հաստատված 846 դեպքեր արձանագրվել են 
քրյակ կատարողական հիմնարկներում 622 դատապարտյալ եւ 221 աշխատող 176 դեպք նահանգային բանտերում 127 բանտարկյալ եւ 49 աշխատակազմ 749 դեպք ֆեդերալ բանտերում 735 բանտարկյալ եւ 14 աշխատակազմ 25 աշխատակազմի դեպք անչափահասների հաստատություններում մենք տեղադրում ենք հաստատված դեպքերի եւ մահվան թիվը մեր կայքում աշխատողներին, բնակիչներին եւ ընտանիքներին տեղեկացնելուց հետո եւ Լոս Անջելես շրջանի արձանագրված բոլոր նոր դեպքերի զեկույցը կարող եք տեսնել առողջապահության վարչության կայքում publichealth.lacounty.gov Շերիֆի վարչությունը տեղեկությունները չեն հայտնել եւ հրշեջ վարչության տեղեկությունները հետեւյալն են 31 դրական դեպքեր անznakazmi մեջ 11-ը մեկուսացված են տանը 5-ը հիվանդ են տանը 27-ը վերադարձել են աշխատանքի ավելի քան 611000 մարդ տեսավորվել են եւ արդյունքները զեկուցվել են Լոս Անջելես շրջան, որից 8%-ը դրական են։ Ես ուզում եմ քաջալերել ձեզ տեսավորվել, եթե ունեք ախտանիշներ տարածաշրջանային տեսավորման վայրերում։ Ժամադրության համար կարող եք այցելել covid19.lacounty.gov/testing։ Այսօր ես ունեմ երկու նորություններ Առաջին նորությունը հղի կանան շրջանում COVID-19-ի դեպքերի մասին է։ 228 կին, ովքեր հղի են, դրական են փորձարկվել COVID-19-ի համար։ Իսկ կանանց 79%-ը, ովքեր փորձարկվել են դրական, եղել, ունե, եղել են ունեցել են ախտանիշներ։ Ես շատ ցավում եմ, որ COVID-19-ով հղի կնոջ մահը, ինչպես նաև այն երեխայի մահվան մասին, որը նակրում էր, կինը ունեցել է հիմքում, հիմքում ընկած առողջական խնդիրներ։ 40 նորածինների փորձարկումների տեղ են ունեցել ծննդյան ժամանակ եւ բոլորը բացասական են COVID-19-ի համար։ Եվ մենք ողջունում ենք այս փոքրիկներին Լոս Անջելես շրջանում եւ մենք շատ ուրախ ենք որ դուք այստեղ եք։ Նորություններ առողջապահության աշխատողների վերաբերյալ։ Կցանկանային նաեւ ձեզ տեղակացնել առողջապահական աշխատողների շրջանում կատարված դեպքերի վերաբերյալ։ Այս թվերը ներառում են բոլոր առողջական աշխատողներին, ովքեր աշխատում են Լոս Անջելես կոմսությունում։ Արչապայության ոլորտի 5398 աշխատող եւ առաջին պատասխանատողներ ունեցել են դրական COVID-19-ի դեպքեր Լոս Անջելես կոմսությունում։ Սա լրացուցիչ 537 նոր դեպք է նախորդ շաբաթվա համեմատ։ Գործերը հայտնաբերվել են աշխատանքային տարբեր 26 վայրերում եւ դեպքերի ճնշող մեծամասնությունը շարունակում է մնալ բուժքույրերի եւ հիվանդանոցների բուժ աշխատողների շրջանում։ Հմուտ բուժքույրական հաստատությունները բաժին են ընկնում դեպքերի 43%-ը եւ դա մասամբ արտացոլված է այն վայրերում թեստերի քանակը բարձացվելով։ Հիվանդանոցները կազմում են դեպքերի լրացուցիչ 26%-ը։ Դրական դեպքերի մասին հաղորդված լրացուցիչ հարմարություններով ներառում են ամբուլատոր բուժ բուժ հաստատությունները առաջին պատասխանողներ եւ հոգեկան առողջության պարամետրեր։ Բուժ քույրերը շարունակում են կազմել դրական դեպքերի մեծ մասը 45%։ Չնայած դեպքեր են հայտնաբերվել մի շարք մասնագիտական պաշտոնների շարքերում, ներառյալ խնամակալներ, բժշկական օկնականներ, բժիշկներ եւ այն մարդիկ, ովքեր աշխատում են բնապահպանական եւ սննդի ծառայություններում։ Մահացած բուժ աշխատողներից 27-ը, ովքեր մահացել են, աշխատել են հմուտ բուժքույրական կամ ուժանդակելի եւ հաստատություններում, 6 հոգի աշխատել են հիվանդանոցներում, մեկ անց աշխատել է ուղիչ հիմնարկում եւ մեկ անձի համար, ով մահացել է, աշխատել է ամբուլատոր բուժ հաստատությունում։ Մենք սկում ենք COVID-19-ով մահացած բուժ աշխատողների համար այս հերոսների, ընկերների եւ ընտանիքների անդամների հետ միասին։ 
մեր բոլոր բուժաշխատողների համար ովքեր գտնվում են այս համաճարակի առաջնագծում շնորհակալ ենք մեր սրտերի խորքերից բողոքի Մենք միանում ենք այն բազմաթիվ ձայներին, որոնք հավակվում են զայրութի, հիաստապության և բողոքների մեջ։ Կունավոր մարդկանց նկատման բրնության երկար տգեղ պատմություն կա և այն շարնակում է մնալ անհիմն մի միանց և հակեք դեմքից ացկոցներ։ Հնարավորինը շատ վիզիկական հրավորություն պահպանեք, կամեց վտանք։ Այդ հավակույթները դարնան գերիշխող իրադարձություններ, այսինքն իրադարձություններ ձեր դեմքից ացկոց հակնելը բարյության և կարեկցանքի անռաժեշտ գործ է։ Ես ուզում եմ նաև նշել այն բիզնեսները, որոնց թուլատրվել է վերաբացվել, անձյալ ուրպատ դերևս թուլատրվում է դա ան Մաղթում եմ ձեզ բոլորիտ խաղաղ անվտանք շապատ, անկաղ նրանից, թե դուք վերաբացել եք բիզնեսը կամ ձեր ձայնը տալիս եք սոցիալական արդարության համար և վերջ դնեք բրնությունների գունավոր մարդկանց տեմ։ This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health Podcast.